Welcome to the Talking Immigration Podcast. Immigration is a complex issue. Most of us have strong emotions, but don't actually know the details of how immigration actually works. In this podcast, I interview immigration experts to teach us about the types of immigration, limits, costs, enforcement, and more. I'm Katarina, your host. Let's talk immigration. Today we are talking with Nubia Torres, the Director of Immigration Legal Services at Catholic Charities of Dallas. Welcome, Nubia. Thanks for being here. Would you tell us a little bit about your experience in immigration? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So I have been working in immigration law for about 10 years now, and it has been probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, being able to work with people who are in a vulnerable state, who are looking for answers in a world that is very, very difficult and very crazy. So my experience, I'm a first-generation American. My parents are both from Mexico, and I am really happy that I get to do this for a living, that I get to help people who have a background like mine and, and uh, are looking for, for a way to to live in this country and to, to do it the right way. So it's, it's, um, it's a difficult time to be in immigration law, and it's a confusing time for a lot of people. Um, so we're happy to be able to work with the community and be able to give them the answers that they're looking for, even if it's not the ideal one, it's an answer and it's, it's something that can guide them in the right direction. So, yeah. So the, the purpose of this podcast is to really help people who don't maybe know anyone who's ever gone through the process, but who want to be a little bit more informed. And I think I want to start from the beginning. So if I'm somebody from another country, wherever that might be, and I want to come to live in America, maybe... I don't feel like I have any economic options. Maybe it's crime. Maybe um, maybe I have hopes of uh, taking a new job somewhere in America. How do I even begin to start the process? Like, can I sign up somewhere online or what's the first step? Okay. So the way that I generally describe it is like this. There are pretty much either you have a family connection. So you have someone who is a direct family member who is able to help you with the process, or you have a certain job, you have certain skills that will allow you to be able to come to the United States. And then the other two are what I call good luck and bad luck. So good luck, you won a visa lottery for some countries that have little immigration from them. You can apply for a visa lottery, and if you get chosen, you are able to come and immigrate to the United States. And for bad luck is somebody who is running away from a situation of oppression or a country where maybe they do not have the ability to work or provide for their families, or they have been victims of a crime and they're trying to come here looking for a better life. So those are the four main ways in which someone is able to immigrate legally to the United States, whether that be already being in the United States and going through those paths or coming here for the very first time. Okay, so if I understood you correctly, you can only really sign up yourself if you're signing up for the lottery or if you're kind of ex- is trying to escape a, uh, like a dangerous situation. Yes. So the only one that you can actually ask and, and apply for yourself without any other situation is the visa lottery. Now, it is a very minimal amount of visas that are available, and it is very minimal the countries that are able to apply for this visa lottery. So... Um, you have to have certain skills as well, but most of all, that's the only one that you can apply on your own. And not even for every country, only certain countries you can do that. 
Yes. So it's the countries that have about 7% or less immigration to the United States. So our countries that we are pretty much not recruiting in itself, but saying, hey, we don't have a lot of people from your country. If you want to apply to become a permanent resident or have a green card, um, you, you are able to apply for one of those slots. Gotcha. And so if there's if you're from a country where a lot of people are trying to come to America, there's no way you can apply for yourself, basically. That is correct. So there is no visa lottery available for countries that have a lot of immigration or that come frequently to the United States. Okay. So the other option then, if I'm from a country where there's high immigration to the United States, how if I don't have any direct family member who's already living there or a highly skilled job that wants me specifically, how do I get to America? There really is no other way. Those are the only possible ways for you to come here legally, unless you are applying as someone who is coming, seeking asylum because you have been persecuted in your home country. So unless you have one of these fourth paths or you have a million dollars in the bank and you want to invest in business in the United States, there really is no other way for you to come to the United States and get a green card without any of those paths. Okay, so one last question on that before we move on to people who do have direct family. Um, you mentioned a million dollars to invest. Is that facetious or is that literal? No, that's literal. Yes, you have to have one million dollars to be able to invest in, as an investor visa and be able to gain eventually residency through that. So, oh. so yeah. I never knew that way. Um, okay, so let's go back to say I am from a country that has more than 7% immigration and maybe I have, um, I don't know, a brother who lives here in America. How do, how do I start that process? So if my brother is a U.S. citizen, he doesn't have to live in America. He has to be a U.S. citizen. So if I live in another country, the four main countries that come that have immigrants in the, in the United States are China, India, Mexico, and the Philippines. Um, if I come from one of those countries or any other country, my brother has to submit a petition for me. Um, this petition normally just establishes the relationship between us. It does not grant me any status. It does not make me a citizen. It doesn't even give me a work permit. It just says, yes, Nubia, you and your brother are related and you are able to come to the U.S. eventually based on the petition from your brother. Now, Depending on where I'm from, it's how long that petition is going to take. So if I'm from any country that is not China, India, Mexico, or the Philippines right now, as of May 2020, that petition had to have been submitted um, in July 22, 2006. That means that I would have waited 14 years before I'm able to legally immigrate. But if I'm from other countries like Mexico, currently they're looking at petitions from April 1998. So the wait is a lot longer. So that means that I would have had to be outside of the U.S. about over 20 years just to be able to join my brother here. And so the petition, does is that happen online? Who, where does that go? Um, and what does it, what does it even look like? Does it cost money? Yeah. So the petition is actually submitted to USCIS, which is the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. It is an office um, out of DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security. So I have to submit a petition that costs $535 for a family member. And 
I submit evidence of my relationship to my brother. So my birth certificate and his birth certificate, our parents' marriage certificate, documentation showing that we have a relationship, that we are actually, you know, uh, siblings. And that application is reviewed. And if it is approved, then I have to wait for my priority date or my place in line, as most more people call it, to come up. So like I said, if I were from Mexico and I'm waiting on my petition, I would have had to submit it on April 15th, 1998, so that today I can go to the next step and apply for a green card. Or or in other words, if you were applying today, you could expect to have to wait 20 years before the next step could possibly be taken. That is correct. Okay. What if you are you don't have any direct family members? Is there an option? So currently, the only family members that I can apply for currently are if I am a U.S. citizen, I can apply for my parents, for my children, for my spouse, and for my siblings. If I am a permanent resident or I have a green card, as many people call it, green card holder, I can only apply for my spouse and for my children who are not married. So if I have a child who is married, I can no longer apply for that child until I become a citizen. So it is very limited. I cannot apply for my cousin or my aunt or my grandparents or my spouse's parents. Like it is very limited as to who is able to apply. Now, if I don't have any of those family members and I don't have a job that is highly skilled that requires a company to bring me here, and if I don't qualify for the visa lottery, the only other option is that I have... I'm, fleeing persecution in my home country and I'm able to come here and apply for a green card. So really, I think a lot of misconceptions are as to why people don't have legal status and people saying things like, well, they should just apply for citizenship or maybe they should just get a work permit. It's not a lack of wanting. It's a lack of a path available. Right. Right. I I remember uh, early on, someone asked me what I thought about immigration and I didn't know anything. And I, I, remember vividly saying something like, well, I, I guess they should just get in line and do it the right way. And, you know, I had no idea that a, you know, the line can be 20 plus years or 14 plus years if you're lucky, I guess, in some way, or maybe there just like is no line for you. Um, exactly. which is so much more difficult. Um, and is it makes it easy to see how someone would come here, um, without documentation, and so if, if someone does come here without documentation, are they still able to petition if, if there is a pathway for them to do so? Or what would be the consequences if they're already here and they try to start that process? Yeah, in very limited circumstances, they may be able to. So the only ones who may be able to apply would be the spouse or the child of a U.S. citizen or of a green card holder. So let's just say that I have a green card and I marry someone who is undocumented. Um, because of my relationship, I am able to petition for what is called a hardship waiver, saying that I, as the legal permanent resident, as a green card holder, will suffer extreme hardship if my spouse were to not be here legally in the United States. This could demonstrate things like financial hardship or medical hardship or educational hardship or things like this. And you have to demonstrate very, very detailed documentation showing that, yes, you would suffer as a permanent resident, as a green card holder or U.S. citizen if that person were not allowed to be here. Now, a lot of circumstances 
that the person may have come here once and left and then come back again. And all of those times they were um, entries that were not legal. That person will never qualify for an immigration benefit because once you do that twice, once you cross the border twice um, after a certain time, then you are no longer eligible for, for a visa. You have what's called a permanent bar, which technically means you have to leave the country for at least 10 years and then apply to re-enter. So if you say you just didn't know, or if for whatever reason you need to come and help a family member and you were not able to do it legally and you did it more than once, then you have to wait 10 years before you can even petition? I have to wait 10 years outside of the country before I can even petition. So yeah, I have to be separated from the family um, and, and be somewhere else until I'm able to ask for permission to reapply. So a lot of the circumstances even happen, you know, unconsciously, people who are, have been here for a long time. And then we have had situations in which a parent died and they went home to bury their family member and they returned. And both of those entries that they had were, were entries without proper documentation. That person is not eligible to apply for a benefit. And it's really difficult, especially when you're seeing clients who may qualify for a waiver and they tell you, I have to go home. My parents are very sick. I may never see them again. And you have to give them the option. Either you stay and you wait and unfortunately miss seeing your your, your parent for one last time, or you go and you can't come back. Um, so it's a very difficult situation that people have to make a lot of very difficult decisions. Right. When's, I guess, USCIS looks at the petitions, do they tell you immediately yes, but you have to wait? Or do you just have to wait all that time before you even know? For the most time, the petition in itself, um, you have to wait for it to get approved. It depends on on which, which ones get approved quicker than others. Mostly the applications that you have to wait a long time, like a sibling petition, um, will take longer to, to get approved just because they don't immediately review those. Um, like for how long, for example? Three or four years before you can, you know, whether or not the application has been approved. And uh, other petitions can take a lot shorter, maybe like eight months to a year. And that would probably be in the case of a spouse or young children, probably. That's okay. Okay. And so once, once that happens, once you get some sort of answer, what does that mean then? then you just need to wait in line or, or what are you sort of what, what happens in that kind of gray area? It seems like. Yeah. So it really depends who you are and who your family member is. So for somebody who is a U.S. citizen and the petition is for a parent of a U.S. citizen, a spouse of a U.S. citizen or a child, there are no limits to the amount of visas that are available. So they technically do not have to wait for a visa to become available for them. They just have to wait for the processing time. So if I were, for example, a U.S. citizen, I marry someone, I petition for that person, and there are no issues, no criminal issues, no immigration issues, everything is sunshine and rainbows, um, that person could have a green card within 10 to 12 months, and they could be a legal permanent resident. Um, However, if you are a family member of a green card holder, which is the spouse or the child who has been married, or a sibling of a U.S. citizen, or an adult child of a U.S. citizen, somebody over 21, 
the weights is, is when the visas become limited. You have to wait for your for your place in line to come up. So they're very different. For like a spouse, it could be two years. For a sibling, it could be like I mentioned over 20 years. Even for a child of a U.S. citizen, a child who is over 21, um, if the the child is from Mexico right now, it's October 1997. So even for U.S. citizen adult children, it's a very, very long wait time. Ah, interesting. Okay, so that's why you get the difference between kind of the, the marriage um, with someone who is not from this country coming here, and that could happen much sooner within two years, for example, versus... Uh, an older child or a brother or sibling being 20 years. Yes. Okay. Um, And so then once you have a green card and you can, I think we'll try to talk about this in another episode, but once you have a green card, what does that mean exactly? So as a green card holder, as a legal permanent resident, now my options are that I can work in the United States. I have a social security number. I have to pay taxes. I have, I have a job. I can have a driver's license. I can travel abroad as long as I'm not out of the country for more than six months at a time. Basically, I'm saying I am residing. I am living permanently in the United States. However, even though it says permanent residency, uh, it can still be taken away. So if you leave the country for a long time uh, to go live somewhere else, or if you commit a crime you can be put in deportation proceedings and lose that green card. Now, if you continue to be in the United States and you have your green card for five years, after five years of being a green card holder, you can apply to become a U.S. citizen. And that way you can, once you become a U.S. citizen, you will have the same rights as any other U.S. citizen, which is you can vote, you can travel with a U.S. passport, you can do everything else anybody else can do. Okay. Does it cost to get a green card once you've been accepted? Yes. So the cost right now, today, to get a green card is almost $1,500 per person. Um, And it's getting more expensive. So we're expecting the fees to increase by the end of this year to make it probably over $2,000 per person to get a green card. And Currently, it's become a lot more difficult because the Greek card holder, the person who wants to become a permanent resident, has to prove that they are not going to be a public charge at any point in time in their lives, which means that they have to prove that they have certain levels of education and of English language and they have health care. And then they have a lot of these things that normally in their home countries they would not have, um, even if they were not going to apply for benefits in the United States, public benefits in the United States, they are seen as negative factors. If you are of a certain age, if you're older or too young, or if you don't have a college degree, or if you don't speak English, these things are counting as negative. So people have to be more invested um, in their own education, in their home countries, which might be very difficult for them uh, before they're able to immigrate into the United States. And so does that proving of those things, does that happen at the time of the petition then, or after you're accepted, then you have to prove that you're eligible for that green card that you've potentially been accepted for eventually. Yeah, it is, it, it's it's submitted when you submit your application for, um, to become a, a green card holder. So, so when I'm, your place in line comes up, basically. That's correct. That's correct. That's when you have to submit that evidence. 
Okay. And prior to that time, you, you can't really do anything. You just have, you're supposed to, the right way would be to wait in your home country. Yes. So you cannot do anything. You cannot, even if you were here, you could not work. You could not do anything. You would just have to wait. Whatever that time frame might be. Whatever that time frame happens to be. Yeah. Okay. Man. Okay. Well, thank you, Nubia, for giving us just kind of a, an introduction to who can come and especially who cannot come, um, at least with what's available now in our current law. Um, where can people learn more about you and or your organization? Yeah. So the best way to learn about what we do and how to get a hold of us is on our website on ccdallas.org. We have information on our programs on how to help people who are applying for citizenship, how to help asylum seekers or other people who need immigration assistance. And we also have my information on there if anybody has any questions. Really appreciate talking you talking with us, Nubia, and um, thank you for all your servants to everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Immigration. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing with family or friends and leaving a rating or review so more people can learn about this important issue. Have a great week, everyone, and let's keep talking immigration.